Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the January 10th edition of the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Get ready to talk about a lot of injuries. We'll tie in some of the Tuesday games related to these injuries. With me to do so is Ethan Noroff. What's up, man? Happy to be here, man. Been been a little too long, but we're getting it done tonight. Yeah, so we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Ethan's Lakers first. So we are recording this just after... The Lakers' first winning streak since December 9th, if I remember correctly. So you got a month um, since they've actually won two games in a row. Uh, we've seen them really move up in the lottery rankings. I'll hand it to you here first. Uh, Randall and a lot, a lot going on here. What, what, what do you take away from this Lakers' new lineup with Randall actually playing mostly power forward now? Uh, it's uh, It looks like Julius Randle is a whole lot more comfortable in the starting lineup than coming off the bench, wouldn't you say? Uh, 22-14-6 in this one. Six turnovers were certainly pretty ugly. He did hit a three, but, you know, the whole Lakers team pretty much turned the ball over. 25 turnovers, so that's not going to work for anybody. Uh, Julius Julius has looked really nice the last few games. Obviously, he's got now four double-doubles since December 31st. That looks pretty good as well. Not a guy who should be flown on the waiver wire in any format, although it's hard to believe that he still is at this point. You know, Matt Strope, he's down on Randall. Like, he's like, yeah, for a good reason, because he's not good from the uh, free throw percentage line, but he's been kind of like just box score where points and boards and a little assist, but he's not really good for percentages, and he's not a big block guy. So he's not, like, the most fantasy-friendly guy there is. So I I get it. Like, I don't think he's going to be, like, a monster, but obviously after this, like, you have to own him. I mean, definitely not a monster, but, you know, if you look at his season-long numbers, there's definitely some promising, promising stuff there. You know, career-high percentage from the field. He shot 8-13 again tonight. Uh, free throws have actually been a lot better recently, especially since the start of the new year. Just do a quick calculation. looks like he's 23 out of 27s in the last five games. It's a pretty good five-game stretch to start 2018 off. So, you know, hopefully you can keep the mojo going a little bit and – you know, whatever happened with him and Luke Walton over that little stretch just before the new year where he played 11 minutes one night and barely played again the other night, now that he's uh, got a little bit of momentum behind him, it looks like he's going to stay on the floor for 25 to 30 minutes a night. So he can definitely be productive, but I agree. He's more of a points and boards guy than anything else. So do you think that post-Festivus airing of grievances kind of thing when they had, when they talked about all the problems, do you think that may be a factor on this or what? Uh, I mean, it it could be related. I don't know if it's directly related. You know, I, I mean, I think Julius has plenty to play for, certainly, given the fact that he's hitting a, an uncertain free agent process and doesn't know how he fits into Lakers' plans, if he fits into Lakers' plans, or what team or teams might be interested in him. But, you know, I think Julius is also going to have to improve at the defensive end if he wants to stay on the floor. And if he wants to get even bigger minutes, you know, that that, that jumper, that three-point shot especially, is going to have to become some part of his game. I mean, including tonight, you're talking about 
33 point attempts the entire season that's a it's a tough sell in today's nba for a guy who's uh who likes to score the basketball and have it in his hands especially yeah and he was a plus 33 in 30 minutes uh tower ennis somehow in nine minutes minutes a nine minus 22 <laughs> so yeah um i guess they're like i'll score yeah it, it was a it was i only caught the the back end of this one but it was pretty wild <sighs> the Kings. I always take a deep breath when I talk about this team. But I guess Buddy Heald and Bogdan are kind of playing okay together. Um, they seem to be playing fewer. Some of this is tied to not playing so many point guards at once. But like I said over the weekend, man, I really don't care, man. I, I don't. Besides Collie Stein, I'm kind of good here. Yeah, from a fantasy perspective, I mean. There's a little bit of noise about Darren Fox over the last handful of games, but 15 points on 16 shots tonight, not exactly a recipe for success there. Three threes is nice, four steals and a block. You know, we'll take all those goodies, but 6 of 16 from the floor and a minus 24 probably isn't going to lead your team to a win too often. Uh, Zach Randolph, I think, is going to trend down in a hard way in the second half. I like Cauley Stein. I'm with you on that front. Uh, The movement to play Scal is kind of come and gone. Uh, I do like Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think there's something there. Last couple games, 17.5 points, 3.5 boards, 4.5 assists. Uh, you'd like him a little bit more if he did a little bit more defensively, sure. But, you know, I think there could be something there. And the Kings don't figure to exactly be in the playoff hunt here anytime soon. So they should have plenty of incentive to play him, maybe even uh, stretch out that pairing with Buddy Heald a little bit. Kings not in the playoffs. Don't tell George Hill that. <laughs> <laughs> What? How could you think that team think of the playoffs? Uh, okay, so what's when, a, when a team puts fifty plus million in your face, it's pretty easy to think yeah, a whole lot of. Things. Who cares? I mean, do it, do it for the money. Don't do it because you think you're gonna make the playoffs with the Kings in the Western Conference. Come out here and be Zach Granke. Tell us to sign for the money. Yeah, man, I like that. Uh, okay, so moving on. Another injury for the day. Not too much going on tonight, injury wise. There's some before today. Um, that we'll set up in a second. But that's Tyler Johnson. This guy's shoulder injury, man. Bad news bears all over the place. They actually started airplane mode. Derek Jones Jr. to the uninitiated. Uh, he had eight points, five boards, two blocks. Uh, had a big dunk. And also, uh, Jay Rich was ice cold. I think he started 0-9. Uh, but he still finished. But in non-scoring stuff, he was pretty awesome. Six boards, four assists, three blocks. That's Jay Rich who said he's going to lead... Wings and blocks, which is not going to happen. Mr. Kevin Durant, I think, has that locked up. Uh, and then Dragic was really good, too. Uh, and then also Wayne Ellington, not quite 23-point attempts, but he took thir- 12 of them, made three. Uh, so I think those are kind of the winners. And there's also the James Johnson factor with Bam, which we'll get to in a second. But let's just stick to the backcourt without Tyler, who has a strain. Pulled it at shoot-around, so that's not good. Like, oh, I don't know. It feels like that's going to cost him some time. So... Pretty much, I don't know, I'll, I'll like, pretty much just up Jay Rich, just barely. I actually don't even bump Jay Rich up because he's just been so hot. He really can't get better than he has been. Dragic, kind of, I think Dragic is a little bit of a bump. And then Wayne Ellington I really like, especially for threes. Yeah, I like Ellington a lot too. You know, he's a guy who makes a lot of sense as a three-point specialist if you're searching in that bin. I mean, just since 2018 started, you're talking about a guy who's already hit 15 threes, including tonight. So he's definitely going to be firing from deep. 
Dragic has actually been pretty nice the last five games. He was definitely struggling in December, but the last five games, including his last one in December, he's turned it around three of those five games, 24 or more points with two double-doubles over that span. So like to see some more of that from the veteran, uh, especially after the kind of year he's had to date. Uh, but Tyler Johnson, man, that's a surgically repaired left shoulder. Uh, that concerns me, no doubt about it. And I, and I agree with you, Mike. I think he's going to wind up missing at least a handful of games you know, the Heat are pretty cautious about protecting their players, and uh, they've got reason to be protective over Tyler Johnson given the investment they have in him. Dude, dude. Airplane mode, 16-team, 18-team, 20-team. I mean, it's, I mean yeah. and that's not a bad line. Eight points, five boards, two blocks is what makes it. Yeah, I mean, without the block, I mean, to me, look at it like this. You take away the blocks, what do you really have there? Yeah, exactly. So it's not very, yeah. All right, like I said, it, you got to be cutting something. You're not gonna, like pretty much Maxi Kleber, and that's pretty much it. Like who will, didn't do anything tonight. Um, but okay, so James Johnson got ejected. So Bam Adebayo kind of balled out. Um, he was pretty good when Whiteside was out. Uh, do you think this is kind of based on that? Do you think he earns more based on a strong player now? Uh, I mean, it's hard. You know, Johnson probably get hit with that one-game suspension. Uh, I don't think that uh, that would be a surprise to anyone in this particular situation. But, you know, it's it's hard to see Bam really coming through beyond that just because the Heat seem like they're in a pretty good place right now. And as good as he was when Whiteside was out, you know, with Kelly Olenek healthy, with Hassan Whiteside healthy, there's just only so many minutes for Bam out there on the floor at any given time, it feels like. Yeah, they're trying to play James Johnson at the three more, and it's really not like very rare amount of minutes for that to happen. Uh, moving on to the Raptors, big win for the Heat, by the way, to win in Toronto like that. Um, and I don't mean to take anything away from Bam, sixteen and fifteen with five blocks as a rookie. You you get yours, sir. No problem with me. Yeah, man, he's he's been great, really, since summer league. He's kind of just caught my eye, man. Just. He can shoot more than I thought. He's a good, sh- better shot blocker than we thought. He's just been great. So moving on to the Raptors, my boy Delon Wright. Uh, he is in the starting lineup now because Kyle Lowry he uh, is butthurt. Uh, he, he has a, a tailbone injury, and he's day to day, so it won't be too long. But I, Delon Wright's been pretty much the main that and Marquise Chris have been like the two main topics in the podcast for the past like week and a half so like if you listen to the pod and someone else has DeLon right like you have no one to blame but yourself but uh, I love I think DeLon Wright should be on everywhere I mean this guy is just such high upside for defensive stats he shoots the three he just he, I love DeLon Wright it's just he plays he's like a, he's like a better shooting Marcus Smart Hey, wouldn't the Celtics like to have a player like that? 13 <laughs> points, 7 boards, 4 dimes, a steal, a block, a 3, no turnovers, 33.5 points if you're playing in the new points-based setting on Yahoo. That's going to work pretty much everywhere and anywhere, no matter what you got invested in him. So I like DeLon Wright a lot as well. I think he makes sense as a waiver wire ad over the last week or so, even a little bit before that if, you track, if you've been tracking him like you have, Mike. And at this point, it's just a matter of minutes when Kyle Lowry is healthy. You know, can DeLon Wright get enough minutes? Can he get 20 to 25 minutes and produce during that time? We've seen it happen. So definitely uh, a guy to have at the end of your roster. I like that a lot for his defensive upside. Yeah, for sure. They run they run him out there at the 1, 2, and 3. They run him out there sometimes with Lowry and Van Vliet. So, I mean, I love off-the-bench guys with 
multiple position eligibility, uh, even though it's not not fantasy eligible, but as far as Dwayne Casey's eligibility goes. Uh, so Fred Van Vliet, who we saw, he was kind of hot early when we saw DeLon Wright have that shoulder injury. He kind of fizzled out a little bit, but anything for you here? Uh, I thought this game was a little underwhelming. I mean, I think he's on the Raider. Like, I would probably pick him up over airplane mode or all those guys, but this guy can produce. I think he needs about 20, 22 minutes. That's kind of where he's going to be, so um, I'm interested, but not, I'm not like, we're t- again, we're talking like 20 team. Yeah, I mean, if I'm shopping in a 20 team league, like, yeah, maybe he'll catch my eye. Like, you know, he's like that thing you see in the store window and you go, ah, that'd be kind of <laughs> cool to have my house. And you go, do you want it? You go, nah, I'm good. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Kind of like one of those situations. Yeah, and then also the other takeaway was Norm Powell's back in the rotation. He actually had a pretty nice fantasy line. Uh, 4.6 rebounds, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. Poor shooting, 2 of 8, which has kind of been his thing. Yeah, like I said, Lowry's only day-to-day. So, I mean, again, you're not adding Van Vliet or Powell unless you're pretty much streaming. So, I don't know. But I do think right's owned, but that's pretty much it. Anyone add something? Uh, sounds about right to me, sir. All right, so the other guy, and we were talking before the pod, Napier, man. Uh, you and I both kind of wrote him off. We saw him have that big back-to-back on Friday, Saturday. We're like, okay, if you picked him up for Friday, Saturday, that's dope. But after that, like, thank you for your service, sir, and then kind of peace out. But it hasn't been like that. We saw Dane play two in those two. Napier kind of disappeared. And now he's back with a vengeance. Um, 21 points again on Tuesday with five boards, two steals, two assists, and two threes on 9 and 10 from the line. Imagine Napier getting in the line 10 times. That just blows my mind. So where are we at here? Dame says he wants to play, but he understands the team resting him. Like, I don't know. I'd much rather own DeJuan Wright. Or, like, I, would, I don't know. I, I don't see the long-term upside here. Yeah, if the if the options are Wright or Napier long term, you got to go with Wright. I mean, Napier is in the short term definitely going to give you a little bit more so long as Lillard's out the lineup. But look, if nothing else, Napier has proven himself to be a legitimate NBA player this season. He I mean, he's flirting with nearly fifty percent from the floor, over forty percent from three. I mean, career highs across the board. This is a player who a lot of people were ready to write off more or less after he kind of struggled to find his home there over the first couple of years. But given the investment Portland has put into him, it looks like it's starting to pay off. And, you know, they might just have a backup point guard behind Damian Lillard. Unfortunately for them, it doesn't help the Blazers solve the worst wing situation in the NBA, arguably behind uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. But, hey, you know, at least you got something on that bench. Yeah, they about a month and a, you know, call it 40 days ago, they really went with that triple lineup, that triple point guard lineup with McCollum, who was a point guard in college a little bit, and Lillard and Napier. They went with it, and it worked like a charm. But they have, besides that, like, five or six-game sample, they really haven't gone back to it. So, um, again, I'm not really buying it. Um, other than that, uh, Pat Connaughton saw big minutes, but, yeah, like, it's, it's really nothing really there. Nurk, Nurk, twenty points. Anything for you there? Are you on, are you on team Nurk? I mean, not this year, man. He's yeah. been so frustrating. It's it's one step forward, two steps back. Uh, I don't. I think Nurk would be the first one to tell you this year. Maybe hasn't gone according to how he thought it would in his head. And I think it's going to be a really, really, really interesting free agent case because if you're Portland and you invest big money into into re-signing him. How can you elevate the ceiling of a team that already looks stuck? 
Yeah, I'm kind of... I'm not on Team Nurk. I've been pretty much Nurk up until this year. Before I was a Nurk fan before it was cool to be a Nurk fan. It's pretty much how it goes. But uh, yeah, it's really... We've covered him enough. Okay, so we had some big injury news, positive news, in the past couple days for a couple point guards slash shooting guards, basically similar players. We'll start with the Bulls. Zach Levine, he is going to return on the 13th, his bobblehead night, which we had saw We saw this a couple weeks ago that uh, Hoiberg said that was a possibility, and here we are. So I talked about this enough, so if you guys listen to the pod, you kind of know how I feel. Uh, sh- short version, I, I'm not really, t- I don't have Levine anywhere. I think he's going to be restricted. He's going to, I don't know. I just think it's going to be more trouble than he's worth. Not to say he's going to be bad, but I just don't really like it. So where are you at on this? You think, and I know Matt Strope is like, okay, I like Levine. He's going to be really, really good. Right, where are you at on this one? I mean, there's no doubt he's going to have some pretty strict limitations to place upon him. Chicago just has too much invested in that backcourt of Chris Dunn and Levine to let anything happen or to just let him go run out of the gates like it's all good. Uh, that being said, you know, I, I mean, I think Levine is worth having on your roster. I wouldn't go ahead and start trading somebody you're going to regret getting rid of in order to acquire his services. But, you know, anyone with Levine on the roster has either been stashing him long term for most, if not all, of the season or just picked him up off the waiver wire in the last week or so once he started practicing on those six consecutive days. So if that's the case, you know, there's it's, in no league should he be still available. So at this point, you got to just see how it plays out and realize that this is a guy who hasn't basically played in the calendar year and there's going to be a little bit of rust. But he should be fun, if nothing else. It's a fun storyline to follow. I don't, I, I, in everything I'm in, he's he was drafted. Everyone, yeah. you too? No, no doubt. No, Levine was drafted in all my leagues as well. And, you know, if he wound up hitting the waiver wire, it was only because of a uh, injured reserve situation where somebody had to cut bait or just couldn't make the roster construction quite work. So it, it, it really would be surprising in any kind of competitive setting for him to be available. Yeah, uh, like maybe with Conley and Russell or any of those guys that went down they had to just clear a spot. Yeah, I know there was one guy that uh, had – Keep uh, had been feeding me questions over Twitter, and he had Gobert, Whiteside, uh, Kawhi, Miles uh, M- M- Turner. Oh. I mean, it was just it was it was a roster full of issues. And then he mentioned Levine, and I, and this was back in you know October, November, and I'm just like, oh, dude. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna have to make a decision somewhere here. Yeah, you have to. I mean, you you probably could have got something for him, but. If no one's, I mean, you can't, you can't take, you can't just keep losing one eight nine zero. Like you're gonna get smashed. Yeah, you can't just keep taking zeros every night. Yeah, it's 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 not that long of a season. We're we're almost there. We're getting past the halfway point, pretty much, for the regular season. Um, okay, so Miritich also is reportedly on the trade block. Sounds semi, not imminent, but it sounds like it's gonna go down. And we got about a month. So Bobby Portis has really stepped up without Miritich. Uh, free Bobby Portis through and through, but how aggressive? Like, how do you feel about him versus Delon or anybody else that we're kind of mentioning? Um, I really think it's a it's a matter of roster construction when it comes to yeah. weighing higher pickups like that. I mean, if you need a big man, 
You know, you can you can put the put the plug in on Portis and, and, and make a play there, but it's going to be inconsistent until you know there's a decision made in Chicago. I do have to say that I think Miritich on the Jazz would be a very interesting idea. Yeah, that would they need that, that. and the and the Blazers also. Hey man, either one of those spots. I mean, but but I mean, any kind of uh, concern about Miritich's game coming back from the injury, I think was. Uh, just fear and fear by itself because he's looked great and I mean he's clearly more than capable and everything that we've seen suggests that he definitely still wants to trade uh, away from that team so we'll see how it plays out but uh, also the last team I believe that was interested in that we have so far is Detroit uh, it feels like Detroit just might be grasping at straws there in the power forward rotation Henry Ellison's not doing a whole lot John Luer is banged up on the sidelines uh, seems like a move that wouldn't necessarily raise the ceiling of that team that already has some serious construction questions at, uh, as it stands. So I'm not sure if that's a real serious player, but Portland or Utah would both be interesting fits. Since you brought it up, I, I do want to mention, we've been kind of bashing Avery Bradley the past couple weeks. Uh, he had a nice little revenge He game did. Today. He went off. He went off uh, with a 24-pointer the other night. So I do want to mention him real quick um, since you mentioned it. Where are you at? Like I was like, stay patient, stay patient, stay patient, stay patient. Up until about like a week and a half ago, when he came back, he looked flat. I was like, oh man, if you want to cut him, go for it. But I, I still, I still kind of believe. And man, it's it's quite tempting to see him go off for what he did on uh, Monday. Uh, I definitely still believe. In fact, I had a question posed to me recently: uh, Avery Bradley or Rodney Hood? And the person had to drop one of those guys and. Honestly, for my money, um, I'm going to take Bradley over Hood because he's got the defensive upside that I'm not sure Hood does in this role. Yeah, I think so too. And they're both pretty much the injury things a push. Right? Yeah. And so after yeah. that, yeah, I mean, Bradley has a higher upside than Hood does. It's not even close. So yeah. I'm with you there. Uh, okay, back on track. I'm going to pimp out my article really fast. I wrote a little breakdown of D'Angelo Russell and how it may affect guys like Spencer Dinwiddie and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Joe Harris, and so forth. Um, long and short of it is I think Dinwiddie is going to be okay. And we saw Atkinson. He said he's comfortable with it. And they played this combo 46 minutes before we knew how Dinwiddie, how good Dinwiddie was. And he's been freaking awesome. He's been basically like a difference. He's been an early round player, really, for fantasy. Um, so you're obviously, I think Dinwiddie. If we had, to, if I had to pick when I'm going to draft him today, I'd still probably take him like sixth, seventh, eighth round. Man, I really think he's going to be good. What do you think about Dinwiddie on this? I mean, I like him a lot, man. I think it, it's uh, credit to the Brooklyn organization for buying low on a player that nobody else wanted at the time they invested. And they really put, you know, put in the time and developed this guy. And look, there was a reason that when he was in college and, and you know, long before that, he was destined to be somebody, not just some guy, if that makes sense. So you know, he's starting the new year off right, 21 points a game, a little over six dimes. Can't get a uh, can't get to the free throw line to save his life, but when he does get there, he's shooting ninety percent. So things are going well, and I and I think that the Nets as a team have just played too well for Kenny Atkinson or anyone else in that building to hold any kind of credibility and say, well, we're just going to put him back on the bench and D'Angelo is our starting point guard. I, I really think that the Dinwiddie uh, D'Angelo pairing can be their backcourt of the future if it, if it looks as we are envisioning here. Yeah, a few things. 
first, they talked about, they wanted to play D'Angelo off the ball. They said, okay, we'll play you there, but we need somebody else to step up with Lynn or whatever it was. And we're like, okay, hey, Isaiah Whitehead, you're, you're the guy. We need you to step up. That didn't happen. But what did happen was Karis LeVert could play some freaking point guard. So they have their backup point guard. And what's cool is he can play next to both those guys. He could play off ball with Dinwiddie. He could play on ball with Russell by either way. So, yeah, they're set, man. That's a good little three-guard rotation to run with point guards. Mix in a little bit of Harris, who I think is probably the biggest loser in this whole situation, uh, along with Alan Crabb, assuming Demarion Carroll comes back. And then one thing, too, I realized when we were talking. So Stan Van Gundy's draft history is looking pretty bad, right? Like... But guess who he picked first? I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm almost positive. His first draft pick was Spencer Dinwiddie. Should have held the face, Sam. Yeah, man. Should've, what are you doing, dog? See and relax a little bit over there. Yeah. Uh, you, you know about the Nets backcourt, the other thing that I like about those three guys, they all have size, 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". You know, you got some legitimate size in that backcourt to mess around with, and that can definitely create some matchup problems. Uh especially if they play high-low off of each other or in the pick-and-roll. So it's a, it's a nice three-man weave, as you said. Yeah, and yeah, they can play one, two, three for sure. Um, Jared, you want to get on the – want to hit you on the Jared, Al, uh, Jared Allen wagon? You're on, you're on that Jared Allen wagon? You know, the situation <laughs> looks so promising to begin the year, or I should say toward the beginning of the year. There are games where you want to believe and you want to believe, but here we are – all, about halfway into the season, as you've said, still playing under 20 minutes a night, still not being a difference maker in, in the true sense of the term, and still sort of waiting on potential that may deliver and may not. And I just think Jaleel Okafor getting involved in the mix is going to make this a little bit too sticky for me. I, I'd still rather have somebody like Jordan Bell on my roster any day of the week. Yeah, it's pretty close. But um, I always think that, I mean, Zeller's starting to fade. We already see Mozgov drop off, so I, I still feel pretty good. And so, I know Allen's your guy. I know Allen's your guy. That's my boy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so moving on, another injury, Miles Turner. We've seen his minutes go down. And, man, I know a lot of you guys listening, myself included, Another, he was pretty much one of the Roto-World favorites early second round. That's Miles Turner again. I'm still, I get the concern, I do, but when the guy's leading the NBA in blocks, he's making his free throws, I can't sell low on that, man. I just can't. It's just, he's just such a, he's like basically the new version of Serge Ibaka when Ibaka was awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely not, I mean, I'm heavily invested in Turner. Am I selling on him? No. Yeah. But am no. I worried? Yeah, I mean, there is some worry there, for sure. Oh, you're, you're worried, okay. No, I mean... I'm just worried from the standpoint of if you're looking at his last five games, I mean, we're, we're over 25 minutes in, in one of those games. And it's not like all of them have been complete blowouts, although I guess they sort of have been, right? Yeah. That that being said, the 0 for 5, one-point outing doesn't sit well. After that, 9.6 boards. I mean, got a game in here without a block, 13-5, and in the blowout win versus Chicago. Look, man, for the kind of guy he was drafted over in the early second round, you probably want to see a little bit more production in the in the categories that aren't blocks. So I, I understand the concern. I, I'm not panicking over it, but I definitely have some concerns. Free throw percentage is down in the mid-70s. His field goal percentage is a little bit down. 
And I think Victor Oladipo's arrival has been uh, an emphatic exclamation point that uh, even VO might not have been expecting himself. Yeah, I, that's part of it. But I don't, like, take off. I think I had Turner at, like, 17. And what's been, the rebounds are way down, man. Like, six and a half rebounds. We, we saw this last year around March. That, that's that's Lopez territory right yeah, there. Yeah, man. And part of it's good. But 29 minutes per game, for, for as big as he is, he needs to get to nine boards, man. That's that's just unacceptable. But, I mean, his turn his turnovers are pretty good. His fouls are pretty low for a guy who blocks as much as he does. 49% from the field. Um, and another, I always talk about guys that I like kind of miscalculated on. We mentioned Old Depot, but Sabonis has also been really good. Yeah, so been. that's that's part of it. So we saw this too, like when people were worried about Jamal Murray, like I thought Moutier was toast earlier, and now he finally is. But I, I feel like it's I feel like Turner's kind of a later version of, of Murray. I think I well, think Turner's gonna get super hot soon. I mean, a couple things. The Paul George trade is uh, leaving its haunting influence on Miles Turner and in the best kind of way because it's, le- it's left him with some pretty good teammates. Yeah. Uh, you know, my question to anyone who's invested in Turner is, you know, if, if you're drafting today, do you make the same decision to draft Turner over Joel Embiid? Do you draft him over DeMar DeRozan? Do you draft him over somebody like Chris Middleton? You know, and, and, it, and it may be yes is the answer to all those questions. It was to me. Uh, everything you said, I said yes easily. So, I mean, I think I think Turner is one of those guys who could become, not because of the player that I expect him to be, but based on the narrative of this particular season, if it extends the full way, he is a player who could become a value in drafts uh, before next season. I'm trying to think how high will I go here because I like if I'm drafting today and I'm sitting there like I'm probably taking it like I won't if I pick if I pick first I'm I'm probably picking Cat again Cat's just insane I want a guy who's going to play every game and like if, if it comes back to me again I'm probably going to take Turner there and have my bigs locked up then just go win crazy. He's uh, his his average draft position on Yahoo this season was twenty six point one. Which which I thought was low. I had him, I think, ranked fourteenth or fifteenth. I thought I thought that was a little low. I mean, I think he's an he's an easy call for me over somebody like Kyle Lowry, who was drafted a few spots ahead of him. Yeah. But you're gonna have some new some new blood in the mix. You got guys who are gonna go higher next year, and it, it'll be interesting. You know, I think you might even be able to get him in the in the twenty five to thirty range, or or later, depending on who you're drafting with, and. Again, that's a player who could be a difference maker a lot sooner than that. So I, I like the way that it's shaping up for next season in terms of potential value for him. But this season has definitely been a frustrating one. Yeah, he's got some work to do for sure. So moving on here, uh, Clippers. I talked about this so much in the last two podcasts. And my boy, Tyron, uh, Tyron, uh, Tyrone, excuse me. Uh, Mr. Wallace, he had some work done. He did did some damage at a couple blocks. Uh, Jawan Evans played his best game of the season last night, and I, I was really impressed. But um, sounds like Blake won't be out for too long. Milos is questionable. Like if you haven't made a pickup here, then I real I don't really see a reason to add anybody yet. Like if you're if your waiver wire still has those guys out there, like and also Wes Johnson had a pretty killer game: two blocks, two steals, seven boards. 
Yeah, I mean, look, if you're if you're looking for fantasy value when it comes to the Clippers, uh, may you only got so many options on this roster. Lou Williams has been playing lights out. Uh, DeAndre Jordan obviously has been in the lineup. Uh, he's been a stable force there. I, you know, he's not the most consistent contributor to say the least, but. I kind of like C.J. Williams, not even necessarily from a fantasy perspective, just kind of like what he's brought to that team. But, yeah, especially with Austin Rivers out, you know, it feels like more like indefinitely than a couple of weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's not not a team that I'm looking to really be invested in from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, Doc, his last – every time he's like, yeah, he's reevaluating two weeks, but he kind of – he doesn't say it, but you kind of sense by the way he's speaking that it's going to be like three or four weeks total. Yo, CJ, man, he balled out yesterday. I, I, yeah, man, I like CJ. Game-winning shot yesterday as well. Yep. Uh, undra- undrafted, you know, got to love that story. And, you know, he's been pressed into some duty that I don't think anybody expected him to serve with this team. And he's responded, you know. He's got in his last four, he's got double digits in two of them. I mean, he had probably the best game of his of his career to date in that last one from a fantasy perspective 15 points three boards two dimes four steals two blocks three triples shot five to seven with one turnover Whew, yeah man. i mean that's that's nice so you know he's he's a nice little player uh and i'm curious to see if the clippers keep him around or what their plans are going to be for him moving forward they got it right they got to bring him back I I, th- I think they I think they do, but you know it's also a team that doesn't exactly have a ton of roster flexibility, so they're gonna have to make some tough decisions. Yeah, the amount of players from two ways and G League guys in this team is just ridiculous, man. So moving on, um, Jeff Teague, South he's coming back. I mentioned this in the last pod that I think Tyus Jones is kind of cashed out. Uh, he had a decent game on Monday, but. Um, I'm just I added Tyus pretty much everywhere and I'm, I'm a little disappointed about what he yeah. what I returned on that. I had hired, we saw last time Teague was out. He was a world beater, man. But now he's just been kind of man. So if, if you have if like say like Delon Wright, swap him out or anybody that's like a red hot pickup or even lukewarm pickup that you think can help you this weekend uh, or even next week then or like if you're in a weekly league right now and you still have Tyus Jones on your roster, and you see somebody to set you up for next week, I would probably just cut him. Yeah, big difference between last year and this for me. Jimmy Butler wasn't on this team last year. Yeah, well, even, I'm just saying, like, the last time Teague went down when he had the Achilles thing, not the knee thing, he oh, was okay. flames, dude. He was just dropping, like, he had, what, a seven-steal game or something like that? And he was pretty much like a first, second, third, he was an early-round player for those games. But, um, yeah, this last time he's been kind of underwhelming. So, anyway, he's, anyways, he's, good. If, if we want to look for a silver lining, we're talking 16 steals in his last seven games. So, yeah. at least he's been getting that for you. Yep. So, anything you want to add to that? No, I think you, I think you touched on it all, man. Yeah. If you haven't moved on already, it's time. Yeah, if you haven't yet. If, like, if there's, if there's nobody to cut for or to get, then, you know, sure, hang on, but... You should pretty much have one foot out the door on, on Tyus Jones. Dude, I blew uh, about thirty three percent of my fab in a league to get him the night T got hurt. Regrets, regrets on that one. Uh, at Anthony, least you, what's up? At least, you, at least you didn't get it tattooed across your chest, right? <laughs> yeah, misspelled. Uh, okay, so lastly, we are going to end on Anthony Davis. What else is new? I mean, there's really nothing else to say. 
I am Dante Cunningham is going to probably be the guy. We want it to be Chuck Diallo, but it's probably not going to be. <sighs> I mean, Boogie Cousins is going to feast. We know this. If, if he's expected to be out as well, so what do you think? Hey man, it's just another day, another Anthony Davis injury. Good news is it doesn't sound like it's super serious, but you know, anytime Anthony Davis and, and injury are in the same sentence, you get a little bead of sweat running down your forehead. So. I'm not super worried about it. I think it's truly a game-to-game thing. I don't really think there's a pickup to be made here. And, you know, DeMarcus Cousins obviously is going to have his. We'll probably see a little bit more Etuan Moore, a little bit more of Rajon Rondo. And, you know, that's that's about it after Drew and Drew Holiday, of course, as well. But that's about it on that team. Yeah, Drew Holiday's probably – he's been kind of cool in a little bit. Defensive stats showed up, but his offense has cooled off just a tad. Huge minutes, but, yeah, Holiday's another guy I missed on. Uh, I thought that he would take a bigger hit. But, yeah, he pretty much covered it. Okay. So, uh, in case you've noticed, the pod schedule's gotten kind of weird. I may have been a little bit off Twitter recently. Uh, and that's because we're actually going on a hiatus because my grandma passed away. I've been kind of hanging out with her. And, um, yeah, just so we're going to be going on a brief hiatus while I mourn her death. Sorry to be downer here. But, uh, yeah, so. Uh, we wish nothing for the best for you, buddy. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I speak for everybody listening and who reads your work and say, you know, take all the time you need to be with your family and we look forward to seeing you when you get back. Should be soon. Uh, I can't wait, man. This is this is my life. And uh, I, I miss miss talking about hoops and I feel so much better. So thanks, you guys, for listening and helping, helping me through this whole thing. And, um, yeah, thanks, Ethan, man. This is awesome. My pleasure, man. Happy to do it anytime. All right, man. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.